Hello there, Michael and Henry. Uh, good to, well, speak to you. I've been enjoying your podcast and had two questions. So I'm reading Jerusalem as well. And my reason was uh, I bought this book just before the lockdown started last year. And I was going to try and read it as my lockdown book once I realized, okay, going to need something like that. And I didn't succeed. But when I picked it up again this year, I found your podcast and started enjoying it. Why did you pick this book? That's the first question. Um, second question, I forgot. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, second question would be, are you ever going to record again? Because I see it's been a while. Um, I guess the third question would be, hey, are you aware of what uh, Jerusalem is? I mean, the song, right? <laughs> okay, cheers. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children should not be listening to this podcast. We welcome you to another phenomenal episode of Jerusalem, the last chapter. Here we are, your hosts, Henrik Jekyll and Michael Pimulus. A wonderful Wonderful intro. I think you've been practicing. Uh, I have. My showmanship is uh, it's evolving. Each, uh, yeah, each new chapter. <laughs> <laughs> so at the beginning uh, of uh, what you just heard prior to this wonderful intro by Henry was a message that we received from listener on Anchor. Um, the uh, the name on here is Sows the Rope, or it's SOS the Rope. I'm not really sure which one it is. Uh, but he had some questions for us, as you heard. And also, uh, if you look on Anchor, um, SOS the Rope, or Sows the Rope, it's probably Sows the Rope. Probably. Sows the Rope uh, has a podcast called The Noble Art of Running Away. So check that out. Uh, it looks like. I was listening to some of it. it looks like um, a lot of it's about uh, some book-related stuff. There's some Dungeons and Dragons stuff. I listened to one about uh, some Tolkien uh, lesser-known works, which I thought was pretty interesting. So, um, yeah, lots of stuff on there. I think he also has like another podcast related just uh, directly to books, but I could not find that one. So if you're listening, so is the rope. Let me know what that one's called because I will, I'll take a listen. Always like learning about new things to read. But as for the three questions, one was why did we choose Jerusalem? And I think I can answer that question. I chose Jerusalem because I like Watchmen by Alan Moore. Love Watchmen. I like V for Vendetta. I like a lot of his comic book works. And I've always been drawn to Jerusalem, but in, intimidated by its girth. And uh, I saw I saw it was at Barnes & Noble for $8. And I was like, well, you can't not buy it for $8. So I bought it. And uh, I thought, who better to join me on this journey and give his wonderful insight than my good friend Henry. Um, and by that, I mean, I, I didn't want to read this 1300 page <laughs> alone. I was going to subject somebody to, uh, to the ordeal. And Henry is a willing participant, I hope. 
<laughs> yeah, there's the, there's no gun to my head. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, basically, he Michael over here chose the book, and the way he described it was like a really weird fantasy kind of thing. And I was like, huh. Alan Moore wrote a book. That was the thing that that got me the most. That fact that Alan Moore wrote a novel. I didn't know he wrote any novels prior to this one, but I think you you told me like he wrote one before. Yeah, I think we one. saw because it lists it in uh, yeah. Voice of the Fire. That's his his previous yeah. novel. And so I was oh. like, huh, this man, the way he writes comics and his V for Vendetta and Watchmen, they're really good and slow paced that I was like, huh, I wonder how his, his, like if it transferred over, obviously it does. Um, but uh, it's, it's really weird though for me, cause I'm used to his, you know, comic book. So, and uh, how like he, this is probably how detailed he is when he sends the scripts to, scripts uh, yeah. to the yeah. Yeah, I think um, I think kind of along the same lines. Like I, novel writing and script writing are even his scripts. I mean, there's still two different things. And I kind of wanted to see um, if he could pull it off. Another factor for me is I had just come off reading uh, Infinite Jest pretty recently by David Foster Wallace, and that's another big girthy book. And it's pretty crazy. But I was reading reviews of Jerusalem and just like some of the things that happened in there. I'm like, I got to read this. And I, I have to make Henry read it too. <laughs> uh, so there might have been uh, some, uh, I don't want to say selfish motives involved, but I definitely, I get a kick out of some of your reactions. I think that's, the, that's fair to say. Um, and like I said, I think also just, it's it's more fun to get through a giant book like this, with uh, with a buddy. We can endure it together. Uh, and I speaking of enduring it together, I when I was uh, typing up uh, the name of this episode, um, I was like, I saw the last one we did was chapter four, and I was like, son of a gun, is this only the fifth chapter? <laughs> like I could have sworn like we were further. And well, we're not. <laughs> and the, the difference between your copy and mine, yours uh -huh. doesn't show that you're making a dent. Mine is separated in three books, so it kind of right. looks like we're farther than we are. And yeah, I, I was a little dismayed that we'd only make <laughs> made it through a five chapter. So that kind of leads into question number two: Are we ever going to record again? Yes, this is our first uh, recording. Obviously, since that that question was posed, we're going to try to be more Freak. consistent. Um, I don't know if I have any excuses, except maybe just needing a break from from the big book, but we're going to get back into it. I want I mean, I want to read the whole book. But if we bowed out before even getting through the first third, you know, that you have them split up, that would be that'd be pretty bad. So uh, Today is about chapter five. Uh, I think it's called Modern Times, if I remember. And then hopefully we'll be back with, with chapter six and <laughs> and seven and eight and, and so on and so on. Up until we finish the one third and that's when we'll bow out. Yeah. 
And then the third question was, do we know the song Jerusalem? And I, I, my instinct is no. I don't, I don't think so. But I'm, I'm wondering if you're referring to that uh, Kafusalam or Jeru- whatever it was called, Daughter of Jerusalem, whatever. It was something like that. Harlot of Jerusalem. I think that's what it was when they're talking about it. And uh, I looked up the lyrics and they were weird. So if you can give us some insight, uh, so's the rope, uh, as to what that song is, um, that would be great because I have no, no clue what that is. Or I guess better put, you probably know more than I do, and I would like to learn. What, do you, what are your thoughts, Henry? I just found out about Jerusalem when we started this, so <laughs> yeah. knowing the song, it's not even anywhere near the ballpark right now. Right, yeah. I think, like, we looked up the one that they mentioned, or you looked up the one that they mentioned in the book. Yeah. I, was, I wasn't sure if maybe it's a different song or... And some of it was not repeatable, even for our our mature audiences. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This is uh, pretty explicit. Maybe one episode we'll do one where like M.A. Yeah, yeah. Song. Exactly. We'll we'll, we'll play it or something. (laughs) Um, So those are the three questions. Thank you for sending that in. I feel like uh, Fraser Crane, you know, I feel like a radio host being like, send in your questions. That was that was not a terrible. <laughs> yeah, that was not Fraser. Wow. Uh, Fraser is more like Seattle. I'm listening. Yeah, there you go. Fraser Crane. Um, so yeah, that was super cool. I I was at work when I saw that. Uh, it's like you have a voice message. I was like, oh! I immediately uh, messaged Henry. I was like, we got a voice message. <laughs> Someone out there is listening. <laughs> Very exciting, motivating, got us motivated. Yeah, now now that's the main reason why we're gonna do the uh, yeah. <laughs> schedule for reading these. Exactly. Uh, so chapter five, uh, getting into it, I I liked chapter five, um, and I find where it begins. I think I went too far. Let's see. There it is, modern times. So chapter five takes place in early 20th century. I think it's like 1910 or 1909, somewhere in there. And uh, we follow uh, a, a young man of 20 years old. He's called a couple of different things. He's called Sir Francis Drake at the beginning. And then we also learned he used to go by Oatsy when he was a kid. And most of it is just uh, Otsi thinking about life. Uh, he is a an actor, uh, like a stage performer, I guess. Um, and growing up, he used to, with his brother, they would like dance. You know, they're like seven and eight year olds, and they like clog dance for. Uh, for gangs, which was a little interesting, so they didn't get beat up. And he has like these memories of uh, of gangs like just 
beating on people and like ripping their ears off and blood everywhere. And then they'd be like, dance for us, Otsi. And he'd be like, okay. <laughs> That's how I pictured it. I don't picture it as like a happy uh, dance. Not a happy like, dance, no. Uh, I guess, you know, do what you got to do. Um, Either dance or lose an ear. I mean, yeah, yeah. And uh, his dad, um, I think, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like his dad was an alcoholic and I think he died of like congenitive heart failure, which is kind of depressing. Um, now I can see you, why you love this chapter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, what else was in? Oh, his mom went insane. I think it talks about that. And she was like a, uh, a performer too. I think that's kind of where they got the performance bug. Uh, there's a part where it talks about, um, she used to like, he was sick and she used to do like the whole, like reenact the new Testament for him, which I thought was interesting. And what else happens? He, he and his brother, when they're young, see like a, a uh, black man from America, and that happens, I guess. He's on a bike. And uh, then in the present, um, he sees a young woman, and he's like, she's cute. Let's go talk to her. I feel like that's a lot of the men in this book. It's just like they see a woman, yeah. and like, she's cute. Let's go talk to them. And then he realizes she's married, and she has a daughter, a little baby. And uh, I think the baby is Alma's grandma. Is it? Her, yeah. Um, May Warren. And so they talk for a little bit. And they realize that they grew up together. Or, or they grew up within a couple miles of each other. And she actually remembered him dancing as a kid. And uh, he thinks about like, wow, how crazy that, uh, you know, what are the chances? Um and then at the end, he he sees the the same black man, except he's much older, still riding a bike in the same area. And he kind of thinks about how like nothing really changes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the chapter. I mean, like not a whole lot happens. It's kind of just uh, reflective. Um, but I enjoyed it. I mean, what were, what were your thoughts on it? I thought it was I, interesting. I did not enjoy it. You did not enjoy it? Okay. No, this, this is one of the ones where I was like, uh, can this chapter be over? And every time I look, I felt like I just read one paragraph. And I was like, that took me a lot longer than it should have. Yeah. It, it's funny. But, That's how I felt about the previous chapter. And you <laughs> you liked that one. And I was like, yeah. please end it. Like, <laughs> So that's the theme right now. We, yeah. Uh, switch out which chapters we like so i'm guessing this right. next one i'm gonna enjoy it you're gonna like it yeah. yeah um but i did like how they put alma as like grandmother because they're still connected to the prelude character so that's always nice to see but mm-hmm. uh so uh speaking of the grandma as a as a baby and i guess i'd make the the woman, her great grandma. Um, so they talk about the baby like she's uh, like almost angelic. Like mm-hmm. like she is like this uh, like the like Otsi sees this like beauty about her, like this uh, almost like divinity. Yeah. And uh, maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's just a 
I think my note actually says, is this divine or just a cute baby? Um, <laughs> Why can't it be both? Uh, yeah, I mean, but, but, I mean, it, it may be, maybe it's nothing, but like so much of this book has had angels in it that I was like, I was kind of thrown off. Um, because it says, uh, it says, if he'd ever thought that his own beauty might one day lift him above the quagmire of his origins, here was a glory that they'd surely come to talk about the way they spoke of Helen, Helen of Troy from the Iliad. Uh, nothing would prevent this child from growing to a diamond of her age, a face that stared out of a poster at you once and haunted you forever. She would never in her life go unappreciated or unloved, and you could see it in the level unassuming look that she already had the inviolable confidence of a celestial orchid grown amidst the clovers of the weeds i mean that's that's a lot for a baby like babies are cute and all but this is a really cute baby apparently so um yeah yeah my 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 note says really cute baby or divine <laughs> question <laughs> um and i i don't know I don't know. I mean, like, it's, I was trying to think of, like, my brain went all sorts of weird places because I was like, what if it's like some sort of like, uh, you know, virgin birth type thing or, you know, like Jesus type thing? Like, yeah, I was like, do we know she has a dad? <laughs> Maybe. Miraculous conception kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Because mm -hmm. um, oh, it's <laughs> He really lays it on thick about how cute yeah. this baby is. So I, I don't know, just just a thought. Well, um, oh, go ahead. See, obviously, uh, it's I don't I, I don't want to burst her bubble about it being a miraculous conception, but uh -huh. so far we had interactions with the whole Warren family. So yeah, yeah. obviously there's gonna be a father. Right, right, and and I think they even mention uh, yeah, her her dad being a Vernal, but I'm just saying maybe yeah, he's standing, maybe he's just there to be like I'm the dad, you know, right. like that. I I did quotation marks for for the listeners. Dad, no, he didn't. He he just did it now. Uh, <laughs> hoping that we could get the his voice as he does it. Yes. Um. So that was one thing, and then uh you're you're i think you're on something with i liked it because it was kind of a depressing chapter um <laughs> but uh so what i i liked was I, I wouldn't say it was like overtly you know it wasn't like everything's awful you know it wasn't like that type of thing but um he does think a lot about like his destiny you know he he wants to become like this this famous actor to get out of poverty get out of where he lives and but like um in talking to the woman um she's been in like the same place and he thinks about how she's gonna grow up in the same place her daughter may grow up in the same place her parents grew up in the same place her grandparents like they all live in the same place never um getting out of like this kind of poor condition and how they were satisfied like they they weren't uh like he thinks about himself like just so desperately wanting to get out and not ever being satisfied but these other people who are, who are just kind of simple and like continue to live where they're at seem happier 
I thought that was really interesting. Um, cause I, I think there's a, an element to, to that in, I'd say, especially in America, I think everyone's like, I want to be successful, you know, maybe I'm, I'm going off too, too much on this, but he, he seems to be like, he wants to be like this success. He wants to get out of, you know, this poor area with gangs and all that, um, to make like meaning out of himself. I mean, I'm pretty sure we would want to get out of a gang. That is true. I would. I would also. I would. Yeah. I would dance with my clogs to <laughs> to get out of. A, um, I'm trying to see if I can actually find. Uh, uh, let's see what I'm talking about because I feel like that was a lot of talk without backing up the. Let's see. Okay, so yeah, so um, let's see. So this is page 169, um, kind of midway down. It says, um, as for the spirited young mother, May, she didn't have those opportunities. Without the talents he'd inherited or learned from both his entertainer parents, she had lived a life more limited in terms of both his expectations and his possibilities and its horizons, which she did not feel compelled to cross, were that much closer than the boundaries around his own. She'd said herself she thought she lived here in this district all her life and that her gorgeous little daughter would as well. There were no hopes or dreams that she was chasing, Otsi knew. In neighborhoods like this, such things weren't practical, were only ever burdensome and painful liabilities. That lively young girl was resigned to live and die, it would appear, within the small cage of her circumstances, didn't even seem to know it was a cage or see its grimy bars. He thanked whatever guardian angel he might have for giving him at least the slim chance to avoid a lifelong penal sentence like the one that she existed under. Every woman, man, or baby passing by him through the tannery-infused slum twilight was to all intents and purposes a convict, serving out their time in harsh conditions without any likely prospect of reprieve or pardon. Everyone was safe in lavender. I mean, that's a pretty depressing paragraph. That they're all... They're all uh, caged Scrap. in yeah. uh, without even really realizing it. So, yeah, that's why I liked it. I liked that those really uplifting uh, passages, <laughs> as I like to do. Um, I feel like there's another one I really liked. Uh, let's see. Um Yeah, so, uh, oh, so yeah, he's singing kind of like of almost like life as a, as like scripted. Um, so this is on 159. It's the second paragraph. It says, it was all the and then and then and then of it that scared him, one scene following another, its events determining how all the acts thereafter would unfold, just like a great long line of dominoes all falling. And it didn't seem you could do anything to change the way they fell, the prearranged precision of it, regular as clockwork. It was as if life were some great big impersonal piece of machinery, like all the things they had in factories that would keep rolling on whatever happened. Getting born was just the same as getting your coat lining caught up in its wheels. 
life pulled you in, and that was that. You were enmeshed in all circumstances, all its gears, until you reached the other end and got spat out into a fancy box if you're lucky. There seemed very little choice in any of it. Half his life had been, dic had been dictated by his family's financial situation, and the other half dictated by its own compulsions, by his need to be adored the way his mother had adored him, by his frantic scrabble to get somewhere and to be somebody. So yeah, he's really kind of preoccupied with this idea of his not being in control of his life and wanting to be an actor and become wealthy is his way of trying to like break out of, I guess maybe gain some control and break out of the same scene that he has found himself in. Anyways, that's why I liked it. I like I like the characters just uh, pondering. If it's something I find it to be interesting, sometimes yeah. the character ponders about something I don't find interesting. I you know, like the previous chapter, <coughs> cough cough. <laughs> so so, tell, so you you did not like it probably for the reason I liked it. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Um, what did see, you think I of? I didn't even take that many notes. I put like two sticky notes in that entire uh -huh. chapter. That's how done I was with it. <laughs> I what, just wrote, what were two sticky notes? Yeah, nineteen oh nine. Probably because I was trying to figure out the year this okay. took place in for modern times. Yeah, quotations. Uh, the second one was true statement: an appetite of sadness, and for sentiment, and that was for uh, them trying to like get a rise out of people, I want to say, when they they were acting, doing the performance, because mm. people have a soft spot for, you know, the sadness and sentiment stuff, and they tend to give more attention to those who are hurt. Mm. That's true. Uh, yeah, so that was it. That's all my notes. And then I mustered on because I was like, oh. ah, <laughs> uh, we'll see. Um, there was, a, this is a less depressing thing. This is just a nice little sentence um, at the bottom of 162. So uh, he makes um, the woman uh, laugh. And it says, the woman laughed and it was music, more that of a pub piano on a Friday night than of Debussy, but still music just the same. I like that, that little line. You know exactly what kind of lass she is. You know, she's a... More likely to be uh, inclined to be a, in a pub than uh, listening to French classical. Well, I guess it wouldn't be classical music at the time. French music <laughs> at the time. No, you had to write French classical music. I yeah. mean, could have yeah. been like 10 years prior, made 10 years prior. Yeah. I mean, good old Debussy. <laughs> um, I feel like there was. I mean, I I had a lot of stuff. Uh, not a lot, but I had stuff um, with sticky notes. But they're kind of more just of the depressing variety <laughs> that we've covered. Uh, one line I liked was, uh, "Poverty was timeless, and you could depend upon it. It was never out of fashion." It's a pretty good line. Um, let's see. So this might have been what you were talking about. Uh, so this is on 155. It says, the public had an appetite for sadness and for sentiment, 
what yes. they saw as all the color of the worst off classes, but nobody liked the taste of squalor. And I mean, I think that's true. Like, uh, like you're saying, people almost feel good about themselves when they feel bad for other people. They're like, I must be a good person, you know, cause I'm, I feel bad for them, but they don't want to actually see like real poverty, you know, like they want to yeah. like kind of keep it at a distance. Um, also, I mean, I guess we haven't really talked about this. So the character he plays is uh, a drunk man. And that's all based off of like memories of his father. Yeah. Uh, he's called the in inebriate, um, which, you know, obviously has some, maybe some lingering issues with his dad. I think he, maybe there could be a happy father's day, everyone. Um, <laughs> lingering. Uh, people pretending to be their drunk fathers. For yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is the Father's Day episode. That's why we've been delaying yeah. uh, recording. Yeah, um, we it out perfectly, and then yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I, I don't know if I have, I have too much to say. I mean, there, like I said, there's there's lots in here that I could read um, that I I liked. I mean, um, I'll read I'll read one more. We might as well keep the depressing father <laughs> stuff going. Yeah, I mean. So, let's see. So this is 159. Um, at, kind of towards the bottom. It says, of course he wanted all those things, wanted them desperately, but so did everybody else. And it was never really the pursuit of recognition that propelled him through his life, so much as the great black explosion of, of his background rumbling behind him. Mother starving her way into madness, father swelling up into a stinking, sloshing water bomb. All the pictures flickering past her, percussion made by fists on flesh and dustbin lids on greetings, hammering and clanging in the rising sparks. What kept him on the move, he knew, was not the destiny that he was chasing, but the fate that he, he was running from. What people saw as climbing was no more than his attempting to arrest his fall. It's a pretty good line, too. So yeah, he's, uh, he's running from his past and his demons. And he just wants to be uh, be remembered as a, as an actor. And that's his legacy. Lad. That's, that's, lad. that's all he wants. Um. So you know, you you know, you you. I think you you know. This is definitely a Sean chapter. This is, is definitely a, a moving. Good, good, Alan. Give us more depressing uh, backstories about random characters. The more depressing, the better. The funny no part more is monks wandering around looking for <laughs> the spot. Yeah, the well, perfect spot for an unknown <laughs> uh, baggage claim. With like random, like I saw witch dream sequences. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. Let's just talk about depressed actors. That's you know, I do like BoJack Horseman. Depressed actor. Yeah. Uh, very consistent. A depressed actor. Yeah. I wonder if he's the same character in this, but uh is so, forcing around. Yeah. <laughs> when, uh poor Bojack. Poor Bojack. So listeners, if you haven't watched Bojack Horseman, this is your official uh Michael Pemulus stamp of approval. Go watch Bojack Horseman life-changing not gonna lie the very first show michael was bojack horseman and i remember walking into the break room and all i heard was hey have you seen bojack horseman <laughs> no 
I like you should you should yeah. watch Jack Horseman because I think another coworker in there, I think it was Travis, we were talking to about it, and they were just like, "Hey, BoJack Horseman," and then like the following day, every time he's coming back, BoJack Horseman. You know, it's, it's funny too, like because we're reading something by Alan Moore, and we we brought up like we're reading it because of his comic books, but we I feel like we uh, we initially bonded over comic books. Um, yeah, because I think. You told me to read American Vampire. Yeah. And I can't remember. Did I tell you to read Fables or did you tell me to read Fables? No, you told me to read Fables. Yeah. Because uh, cause the way it's kind of like, hey, it gets up there. <laughs> yeah. And it just drops. And I, I told you to read Saga, and now you're further. <laughs> yeah. I, I um, got to buy the uh, volume three. The yeah, giant, you should. You should. I almost bought the. Uh, I almost bought the. Uh, the floppy, omnibus that has like the first half of it. Um, say floppy. Yeah, they have that really big uh, soft cover now. It has like the first forty-two issues, and then they'll have another one when it ends. It'll just be like two like big old thick ones. I was okay. thinking about it. I just like. I find it weird how you say floppy. Like you only strictly buy hardcover. Hardcover, I know. And you say like the floppy. Like, what? I think it's my way of justifying because I sold them to you. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm like, although those will stay in print for for a long time. Yeah, it's if you haven't read it yet, you got uh, Henry Jackal's stamp of approval. Yeah, yeah. But don't let your kids read it. That is very true. Or as we've discussed, leave it open when you need to teach them about sex ed. Just yes. like, no, let's go. <laughs> the very first. Oh my goodness. I was the, very uh, confused. <laughs> Prince, Prince Robot. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, that's a good series. I need to I need to buckle down and read it on uh on Hoopla. The problem is that I like the first like few volumes so much. And I want things to, like stay. I don't want tragedy. I know it's kind of like <laughs> wow. What? Like, uh, Hold on. I, I, I do. Did you well, just say like you don't want tragedy. I do, and... but it's the beginning's so wholesome. I don't know. I was like, no, it must stay this way. That's like I, I like, you, like. Uh, I like the whole plot line with Prince Robot um, and the plot line with. Uh, the bounty hunter can't remember his name, but when he saves uh, Sophia, whenever he saves the little girl like that, that is great. Anyways, good, good series. We got off on a tangent, but <laughs> it's all right. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, yeah, I. So back to uh, the chapter. Yeah, I, I just remembered that when I was reading it, uh, when he first talks to the the lady, um, when they were conversing, like how she was like giving out all this information, I was like, wait a minute. She's making it seem like he doesn't know her, but like, like obviously he doesn't know her, but like she knows more about him than mm-hmm. he does. My brain automatically goes to time travel, like mm-hmm. everything. Like, uh, what was it? The sleepers? Yeah. Where like they go sleep so much and they go back in time, 
whatever reason, I was like, oh my goodness, this is another uh, rough sleeper mm-hmm. going back in time with a child telling this guy. At one point, I thought he was the dad of the child, uh, uh, little right. Warren. Because now, I was like, so she went back to me to talk to the father one last time, but. I'm going to correct me if I'm wrong. Um, Cause I'm trying to find it. Uh, so Fred, who is one of our rough sleepers. Um, when he goes back to the time to uh, like, he, he goes back to like have that, we'll call that intimate moment uh, mm-hmm. with a recurring intimate moment that he has. He runs into, um, I think it's May grown up, right? Cause then she has baby Doreen with her. Um, and it is kind of odd. I mean, I get, he's trying to like link, um, Oh, here it is. Uh, let's see. So he runs into Clara. Which one is Clara? Dang it. Uh, <laughs> you got to go back. <laughs> I know my life. So many. Um, and I think Clara. Yeah, so Clara is. Um, her daughter is Doreen. So actually, so I think I messed up. So May is not Alma's grandma. It's her great grandma. Because Doreen is Alma's mom. And then Clara is Doreen's mom. So that's Alma's grandma. And then May would be the great grandma. Um, I'm not sure why I'm talking about this. I guess my point is like, it's kind of, they're always like running into them when they're like a baby. And it's kind of in in the prologue, Doreen uh, is with Alma, and she's not a baby, but her brother is a baby. I don't know. They're just always like it's showing them like meeting them like, like they're they're young. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So I I missed uh I missed a generation. So yeah, it's Alma, Doreen. Clara, May, and then do we get the name of the the woman he talks to, the mom in this? Because that would be the great great grandma. I think they do mention her name. Um. So it's just uh, I'm wondering how far we'll we'll go back because I mean then there was obviously like that chapter early on that was way back you know they're like in the chapel or whatever um, I wonder if we'll get like those generations connected when they fight the um, the destroyer yeah <laughs> they'll all go the yes they'll all unite. <laughs> It'll be like an Avengers team up. <laughs> Alan's Moore's own uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Exactly. It'll be great. 
you know, I don't. I don't think they name her. No, they only. Yeah, I think they. She's just like a brunette lady. Um. Yeah. Also, I, I feel like uh. All all the women are like way too nice to these men. Like Fred is like, oh, there's Clara. Too bad she's married and has a daughter. And then like there's this guy who's like, who's that over there? Oh, married and has a daughter. Like I'm like, guys need to all chill out. Like apparently, guys need to settle down. <laughs> they like the married women with children. They, they do, yeah. Um. So on the, let's see. Let's. I was gonna say that something. It is odd how. So far, they always see the married woman with the child, but never the spouse. Like I know that's what I'm thinking too. Like, like you, you don't ever see the, yeah. the men. So I don't well, know. It's a ongoing theme. Motherhood. Motherhood. Mother. Childrenhood. Um. So I think, I mean, that's about all I have. Like I said, I could keep reading depressing passages from this. Because um, when I was skimming over it right before, I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot how <laughs> fantastically depressing a lot of this uh, chapter is. But um, I don't, I'm not sure if anyone wants that. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed the chapter. Hopefully you enjoy the next one more. <laughs> uh, the next oh, one is chapter, chapter six. It's called Blind, But Now I See. Um, I wonder which time period this takes place in. I see it says something about a Wild West show. So it's not going to be like the 1700s or something. So hopefully. Not, not, not anything wrong with the 1700s. Just, you know. I, no, I did, you're, you're right. It was funny that the chapter called Modern Times is in like 1909. It's like, <laughs> it's not quite, yeah, not quite there, but you know. Um, and, but I think that that is, a, I guess, speaking of modern times. So I'm kind of making fun of it. But one thing he does think about is, um, and I already talked about this, but like how the generations don't have anywhere to go. Um, they don't have any mobility uh, with the creation of um, steam engines and like steamboats and all that he thinks about how like how he, he is more easily available for people like move so i guess that that's modernity hmm. <laughs> we're not convinced no, I think you're reaching. <laughs> i'm reaching yeah. that's a lovely lovely picture um <laughs> <laughs> always got to show it uh well I, I was about to do it in the middle of your uh your, your one of the speeches, but uh, <laughs> like you're not even looking up. So one of my monologues. Uh, yeah, because yeah. you kept like you were like reading the book, and I'm like, no, not looking. Every time I put my book down, you were like face the uh, the camera. So and again, readers, we're just talking about the uh, the lovely illustration at the beginning of the book. So yeah, just always take a look at that lovely illustration. <laughs> Based on a true story. Based on a true story and quotations. Um, Alan Moore drew these himself. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
wouldn't that be great? I would love to know that. Illustrated by Alan Moore. Just yeah. like that'd be amazing. Now I want to look to see who did the illustrations. It's gotta mention them, right? Uh hmm. I love I'm just gonna assume it's uh, Alan Moore because I know he's not an artist artist. But you don't need to be an artist to, uh, to do all that. All that yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I like to think they hired like a, a middle schooler, you know, in, <laughs> in England, you know, they're like, you can do this. I know you practice. And he's like, <laughs> like we've seen your artwork on your desk. Yeah, we, we've seen your artwork in the stalls of the restroom. He's like, yeah, I got it. I'll nail it. Well, thank you, listeners. And again, thank you, uh, Sows the Rope for sending in that question. Um, if you have uh, an Anchor account, please send in uh, your own questions or comments. Um, I we've said it before, but we are, we're just as clueless about a lot of this book as, as probably everyone. So if you have any insights uh, or commentary, let us know. If we got something wrong, let us know that too. And we'll, we'll put your comment on the, on the episode. Um, do you have any closing thoughts, Henry? Look, you look thoughtful. <laughs> Alan Moore, get let Alan Moore listen <laughs> to our podcast. I would <laughs> like to have his opinion on what we're saying and the origin of his like, doodle. So much of this is wrong. That's what. <laughs> let me let me correct you on a litany of, of incorrect uh, hypotheses. Well, thank you for listening. Uh, like I said, we'll we'll try to get this more consistent. Uh, so, which means we actually have to read the next chapter. Um, Ridiculously fast. And we will see you next time. Well, we won't see you. We'll we'll be back next time with uh, was blind, but now I see. I think that's the title of it. Yes, something like that. Blind, but now I blind, see. Blind, but now I see. And uh, it's been a delight. It's always lovely to chat with you, Henry about this uh this amazing text always always wonderful yes um 25 pages we can do this so 25 pages yeah all right i think it's 25 pages if i did my math right which i probably didn't <laughs> all right we will see you next time i am michael pamulus i've been joined by henry jekyll and uh Alan, Mr. Moore, send in a voice message. <laughs> yes, please. That'll make my uh, my dreams come true. I I feel like we would always play that no matter what. I would play that at the beginning of every episode. Like <laughs> Alan Moore, every time. All right, this has been uh, the last chapter, and we'll see you next time. Adios. Oh, I'm, I forgot how to stop it. I forgot how to stop it. <laughs>